I was looking around and really felt like it was a human problem that we weren't taking care of ourselves, that we weren't taking care of ourselves physically, mentally, and emotionally. And until we were doing that step one, we wouldn't be able to truly care for the planet and live in harmony with the planet. Hey there, I'm Stan Stoniker back with another episode of the Hub Culture Chronicles. Tonight, we're nestled deep in the Rocky Mountains, way up, way behind, an hour behind Aspen, Colorado, in the mountains, along a river called the Frying Pan River, at a place called Bayul. What is Bayul? It's an amazing and new retreat and wellness center founded by some people who are part of the Hub Culture community. So I'm really excited to welcome Abby Stern and Ruben Sandowski. Now, Abby and I have known each other for five or six years, going back to the Hub in Paris. And Ruben and I have been in touch occasionally over email, but only got to meet last night in the hot tub under the stars back here in the Rocky Mountains. Welcome, you guys. I'm so excited to share the story of Bayul with our listeners. Abby, can you start with the origin of Bayul? So our origin story starts separate with Ruben and I. So I'll do a little bit of background for both his story and my story, and then Ruben, feel free to jump in at any point. And Stan, we're so glad that you made it out, made it away from the hustle and bustle of Aspen and came to really check out Bayul for yourself. So the Bayul story first started for me probably back when I was a camp kid. When I was a young, like third grader, I would go to sleepaway camp every summer and almost every summer until I was in middle school. And it really built me as a child, getting to play in the outdoors, really experiencing nature and horseback riding, camping, all of it was something that I got to do by overnight camp. And Ruben, at that same point, he grew up in Aspen. So this outdoor experience is something that he's had really part of his entire childhood. And so the experience to integrate with nature is something that we both have always had deep, deep in our bones. And we started working together in 2019. And it so happened that we both had very similar ideas for retreat centers in the Roaring Fork Valley. My idea came to me when I was at the University of Santa Monica studying spiritual psychology. And the question was posed, if you could change the world, what would you do? And for me, it was really about education and integrating education and experiences in nature for every person and really wanting to get everybody back to the land, to separate from their screens, to reconnect with each other, to reconnect with the environment. And I was explaining this to Ruben and was saying this vision that I had, and he was also talking about a similar one. And at that point in time, he was looking at a property um, in the valley here, and we were kind of both just supporting each other's visions. At the same time, I was also executive director of Lead With Love, which was a yoga retreat organization based in Aspen, Colorado. And I was noticing a niche in the market. So we were hosting yoga retreats around the world. And we were trying to do them in the Roaring Fork Valley. And we couldn't really find a venue. So we would do them, say, at the Aspen Institute. But then we would be there with 70 other high school hockey player boys running around. And it wasn't the gathering space that I was so desiring. So like, those are beautiful. The Aspen Institute particularly is a stunning, stunning location. 
but it's really not what we have here. The 32 acres of pristine wilderness that surrounds us. And then the natural forest is all around us as well. And so we're deep in nature back here. So Ruben and I decided with a handshake deal to start working together to really take our both visions and put them into one. And at that point, we said, okay, great, let's go after this property that Ruben has been dreaming about for a while. And for many reasons, this wasn't the perfect property. It had amazing, still amazing wilderness and beauty, and it even had hot springs, but it wasn't zoned commercial, which would have been a very big hurdle for us. But we still decided to go for it and really put our heads together to think, how can we make this dream a reality? After that handshake deal, within 48 hours, that piece of property went under contract. And instead of getting discouraged, we looked at each other and said, that's fine. We are still in this. Let's make this happen. Let's look for another property. And within one week, the Diamond J Ranch went back on the market. And so that's where we are currently today is the Diamond J Ranch. And from finding this property until we closed on it, it was about a 10-month period. And so we created a business plan and a pitch deck, and we started working with a hospitality management group. And really created an entire full picture of how to make this dream into a sustainable business. And that was one thing that we were really serious about from the beginning is wanting to make it an intentional community, wanting it to be a retreat center, but also wanting it to be a sustainable business that can function on its own. Let's bring Ruben in. Um, I think it's worth um, telling our listeners that one of the great things about being back in the back of the mountains is that you guys have installed Starlink here. And so we're actually doing this conversation with you on the other side of the valley, Abby, but via Starlink. And um, it's kind of an example of how Starlink, I think, changes connectivity that we can actually do a podcast back in the highest, most remote part of the Rockies. But Ruben, let's bring you into this conversation. And um, I want to ask you, once you guys secured the property, uh, what then happened? How did you guys work together to build uh, what is now Bayul? Yeah, well, we uh, we always jokingly, not so jokingly, call it our crash course MBA. Abby and I both have you know a lot of complementary skills, and we have you know combined decades worth of event production. I've worked at Burning Man and Envision, Glastonbury, and uh, festivals all over the world, as well as running all of the event marketing for Guayaquil or Mate for the last five years before we started this. And so, yeah, we pulled upon our networks, our ability to just kind of ask for help for the things that we didn't know and built a pro forma with help, learned how to, you know, kind of pitch to accredited investors. And at the same time, we're learning all about the ins and out of real estate and doing a real estate deal of building an operating agreement. And um, yeah, it was quite amazing. I mean, our hospitality management consultants said this was actually the first time they'd ever had a deal close on the day that it was projected to do so. Um, But you know what I find amazing about this is, Abby, having known you for a while, and I know that you've been a personality within Aspen and, you know, you grew up in Aspen, Ruben. It's amazing to see like two relatively young people come together with a vision and then actually be able to execute. There's a lot of people who talk about intentional communities. There's a lot of burners. Um, you know, we're all in a way burners, but there's a lot of burners that talk about creating intentional spaces and to actually get it off the ground and get a deal done and to be in a place where we're now seeing an operational space here in the middle of the mountains happen. It's, it's not that easy. So well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, for how myself, did you guys do it? I mean, I feel like 
we're in a we're in a moment where this is the dream of a lot of people and you guys have actually been able to execute on the dream yeah i mean for myself like i again have been traveling around for 10 years i was also tour manager of this band rising appalachia which like has quite a big following in uh intentional communities and activism organizations and i've been to all 50 states either traveling with them or guayaki and seeing a lot of examples of beautiful communities uh, with a lot of intention, but not always very good structure. Mm-hmm. I'd say a lot of the good examples I saw came from the world of B corporations, which are like, you know, triple bottom line companies that have quarterly pro- profits and are using the best practices of capitalism, but also are making quarterly goals for their social and environmental standards as well. Mm-hmm. And so really not needing to like throw the baby out with the bathwater and like using best practices of business um, as a backbone for the more like radical new ideas that we want to like get out because yeah, we didn't want to be in the position where if one event doesn't go well or one idea doesn't take off that, you know, we lose everything. And so finding a place that like was operable, you know, this ranch has been here for a hundred years. And I have stories from my parents who've been here in the seventies and sounds like it was pretty run down at that point, but the people who owned it before us really brought it through the money pit phase, uh, between 2004 and 2006. And we were able to basically come up here and we were open on the first day that we closed on the property. And we had a full house of hunters who are up here for third rifle season elk hunting. I got a, a wolf puppy, that day we cleared. I met your wolf puppy. Yeah. <laughs> Atlas Rock. He's no he's no longer a puppy. <laughs> no, he still is. He's only like a little bit over a year old. But um he's also well that's part of the story, right? Pounds. So you guys closed in I think um, November 4th, November 2020. 2020. So kind of in the pandemic. Then you've now gone through 2021 and going into 2022, it's kind of hitting its stride. Mm-hmm. Let's turn it back to Abby for a second. Abby, what do you guys have here like for our listeners can you tell us a little bit about what you guys are offering today for a person who might want to come and do something at bio yeah absolutely so there's 15 separate cabins and there's also a main lodge and upstairs in the main lodge there's eight guest rooms and so depending on how you set it up we can sleep between 70 and up to 100 people in the summer and It's everything from your own personal retreat getaway to the perfect venue to host anything imaginable. One of the things that we like is that we're far enough away from Aspen to maybe get away with a little bit more, but we're close enough to fly into that same airport. And it's a place to get away from your screens and to really reconnect. We have an awesome sauna. It was one of the first projects that our team built on site. It's a cedar sauna. And we have a cold plunge and a hot tub. In the winter, we have cross-country skiing right off the property. And if you have touring gear, we have backcountry skiing as well. And in the summer, there's like over 20 alpine lakes that are in hiking distance, which is awesome. And then it's just the four seasons in our area, Colorado high country, varies dramatically from feet and feet of snow and to fields filled with wildflowers. Another thing that I want to point out in, in the like how we did it part of the story is one thing with Ruben and I is we really saw eye to eye 
in being able to vision big and also being able to execute. And so when him and I are in this space of visioning, the sky is really the limit. We try to think as big picture and not to put any idea down. And then at the same time, we're super boots on the ground. Okay, what's the next step we need to take to make that a reality? And we really built an entire business plan with strong financials and pitched it to where it wasn't just this intentional community dream. It was a hotel business as the very bottom line base to keep us financially afloat with the transition to a full force retreat center. Yeah, we really wouldn't have gotten the investment that we did if it wasn't backed up by real numbers. Uh, In the process, we probably saw 30 other decks from people who, you know, during a pandemic and as festivals are shut down, there's a lot of like intentional communities or communities or like hospitality projects. And some of them are, I'm sure, working now and are great. And some of them probably like, you know, have pivoted to other things. But ours was really based in reality. And so I think that's a huge thing is like being really aware of, you know, the power of visions and visionaries is amazing. And we need more of that in the world. And I think that we've both seen how sometimes that can like burn people out and not actually honor the time that maybe other people are putting into it. And we also, when we moved up here, like we moved up here with our partners who work here on the ranch with my sister and her husband, they've since had a baby, raising them here on site. And so like, we're really also very beholden to our employees, our community, the people who have invested in us, the people who support us. Um, it doesn't it doesn't leave much room for um, giving up. <laughs> so Ruben, I'd like to talk for a second. We were, um, that sauna that uh, Abby mentioned last night, it's a beautiful, uh, Baker Bones sauna. It's really great. But we were talking last night about what Bagel means. And mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting because it does pl- uh, plug into, you know, some of these bigger ideals. And I love the fact that you guys have managed to mix on the ground practicality, as Abby just said, with, you know, a hotel business model. But there are bigger intentions with Bagel. So can you talk about the meaning of the name Bagel and a little bit about what the the longer term vision is for the property? Sure. Yeah. Bayul was a name that I brought to the table. It was something that I have studied and had a relationship with since college, where I studied Chinese and international affairs and traveled pretty extensively through Asia. And um, Bayul is a Tibetan word that means hidden landscapes, basically. And the Dalai Lama says that Bayul are not places to escape the world, but to go more deeply into it. And it's really these landscapes that are real places and they have hidden layers that open up as the pilgrim or practitioner really opens up their awareness. And so like using or really recognizing landscape as a metaphor for a reflection of, you know, our, our own being and the illusory nature of reality is a powerful thing. And that's something I've always felt about um, Aspen, which is where I was born and raised and just like the power of these mountains and any kind of like striking, hard to get to, maybe even dangerous landscape. And they were also set by, so it's told and the legend says, Padmasambhava, the guy who brought uh, Buddhism to Tibet, wrote the Tibetan Book of the Dead as refuges for the future of humanity. 
when it was in a time of need. And so for us to like have a place that, you know, it, there's some discomfort even with getting here, you know, this summer when we had, there was, I think three of the five entrances to our Valley had mudslides. There were nearby forest fires. Like it's not easy to get to, but a lot of times people show up here already somewhat transformed after the 40 minute drive without cell service. Just the journey itself. Exactly. You know, it's interesting because with the Oasis, our project in Kauai, we've been following a kind of similar track, a parallel track with this idea of kind of Lemurian monasteries. And we talked about this last night, but the the idea that in both um, Hindu and uh, Tibetan cultures, that there are these refuges or these places that people can go to learn and to, you know, really expand their own consciousness and then take that back out into the world. And it feels like that's a common thread with a lot of the places that seem to be emerging out of the pandemic or even just out of like, I think the culture and the desire for people to be able to unplug and find something and then to be able to take that back when they plug back in. You know, you guys, we all have a bit of a burner heritage and you had mentioned Ruben that you had worked on Envision and some of these other projects. How have those learnings helped you guys create what you're doing here? Like, have you learned to build in a different way or what are some of the learnings that you've had from those past experiences? Yeah, I'll start and then can pass it to Abby. But for me, it's like you, you learn a lot in a short amount of time. And, you know, one of the, one of our advisors and one of the people that has brought one of our biggest events up here is uh, Jamie wheel with the flow genome project. And he kind of, in his books talks about the, the science and culture of flow states and for me as an extreme sport athlete who, you know, many years of jumping off cliffs and, and doing things, find that flow state, um, found even more of that when I went to those festivals and found that dance culture. But when I started working at festivals, you really see that that flow state where like you're in this timeless space where synchronicity is very high and where you're just matching the situation perfectly that can instead that extends for days and days when you're like in an event and when you've got a team that's working together. And so I think seeing the power of that, um, also just honestly seeing the psychology and marketing of what you can do with events, like a lot of people get pulled into those transformational festivals like Burning Man and Envision thinking that they're coming for a party. And it's definitely that, but a significant portion of them have one conversation or one yoga class or one thing that really does change the way they look at the world. And then they bring that back to their community. So I see it as kind of like a hub and a bastion of like, you know, really uh, exponential transformation is doing events, having places where people can just be in a different container. That's really important. Yeah. Abby, what about you? I think one of the pieces that is so magical are the connections that can be made and different from just like a regular vacation or meeting somebody in a bar, the friendships that we've witnessed that have been made at our different events and the people who are still friends to this day is something that you often see in that Burning Man culture where every, every person who is at the gathering is your friend already And then you have that conversation that really takes it deeper. And then the other piece that has been exciting for us on the ground coming from the retreat or the festival culture 
is that when we build it, we don't necessarily have to take it down. And so it's getting to build it and then to keep innovating and keep innovating and doing it in a, in a space that doesn't have to be extremely fast because it isn't just we, one weekend. And so we're thinking of the property in a long-term vision as well. And so we've made some great changes over the last year, but we've also really settled into what was already here. And we got some great bones to start with. And we sat with it rather than tearing things down and ripping stuff up from the beginning to really see, well, what's working and what's not. And then from there, decide what we want to make change. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting because when you, I've wandered around the property a little bit. One of the things that most impressed me is the silence. Um, just standing outside last night under the stars and just taking a moment and even today walking around, we're really in a place where there's nothing else. But you do have these cabins and you have a big, essentially, hall for events and yoga. And I noticed there's even gymnastics rings in the and the thing, so you can do a little bit of a workout. I have to admit, my workout wasn't very good. I just hung off the bars for a second. Um, that counts. Still good <laughs> but, for your shoulders. Still good. Yeah, great for the shoulders. Um, but as you guys look ahead to 2022 and the summer and the fall, like, um, what are the things you're most excited about? So I kind of head up a lot of the events and programming and sales and you know, there's a lot that we put on and then there's also amazing groups that we have come and buy the place out or sometimes that we partner with. Um, and, you know, just as a little bit of like background of what we're trying to do is, you know, we, we're kind of no, no joke, no holds barred for trying to create the future we want to live in. And so we're expansive, but also very focused on like what programming we feel is important. Um, it kind of falls into the categories of like health and wellness. And that could be anything from meditation to yoga retreats um, to more, you know, kind of science backed longevity uh, conferences, things like that. We do have um, an amazing dream yoga workshop with one of the preeminent kind of like lucid dream and dream yoga teachers in the world, Andrew Holacek, who lives in Boulder and he's going to be coming at the beginning of June. Uh, we also do a lot of backcountry education. And so we've done like avalanche safety classes. We've done woofer courses. We'll continue doing that kind of stuff. We even plan to do like some bow hunting retreats here. The other, we do a lot of art and music because we really trust the artists and the musicians. It's kind of like a guiding point on our compass of like where our society and culture should go. We just had a month where we had uh, Leah, Chloe and David from the band Rising Appalachia here doing kind of their yearly residency with a bunch of different um, shows as well as like a deep poetry camp that went really well. We've done some artist residencies uh, for kind of like land-based uh, installations and projects, not exactly like burner art, a little bit maybe more fitting with like the forest natural surroundings. But yeah, that's a huge part of what we do. And then I would say the idea conferences are something that like we produce ourselves. And in our first year, we had, like I said, Jamie Wheel and the Flow Genome Project. We had Summit, uh, which is pretty well known around the world. And they came here for two weeks of their kind of like smaller, more intimate events that they did last year. And that was amazing. Yeah. I'm excited that Flow Genome is coming back again. Yeah. It feels like this is a place where you can kind of dip into those flow states more easily just because you're so deep in nature. Totally. Abby, I'd like to ask you a question about climate. So you guys are so deep in nature back here 
And there is a lot of recognition now. You and I met in the climate world. How do you see Bayul playing a role in the conversation around climate? So Stan and I met at COP21 in Paris when I was a young chicken. And since then, I did navigate away from the climate space and into the wellness space. And that was a personal choice for me because I was looking around and really felt like it was a human problem, that we weren't taking care of ourselves, that we weren't taking care of ourselves physically, mentally, and emotionally. And until we were doing that, step one, we wouldn't be able to truly care for the planet and live in harmony with the planet. And I think that Bayul is a place to help people get back into harmony. And it's also a really great gathering space for those types of conversations to really come together and be solutions oriented. It's also a place for us to really rejuvenate because another thing that I was witnessing in that climate space is all of these people were working so hard, but their cup was so empty. And a lot of them were dipping in and out of depression and they were physically unhealthy. And so really being a place for people to come and to really rejuvenate so that they can get back out there and be solutions oriented to really protect our planet. And are you seeing examples of climate stress in the mountains around you here in Colorado? We had a forest fire come four miles from our property and we were right on the edge of having to evacuate. So it's very real. We're definitely taking a lot of steps you know, to protect our property and also show people how to do it right. Uh, we actually worked with a prison fire mitigation crew, one of the only one, one of the only programs in the U.S. where uh, these guys who are in the system can not only work on these fire crews, but actually then afterwards get certified to work as firefighters afterwards. Oh, which, that's pretty, that's like a rare thing. given the rare, yeah. Prison industrial complex and exactly. the problems that exist there. That's actually really, is that a Colorado state project? Mm-hmm. Amazing. And mm-hmm. so we worked with them to do four days of fire mitigation. And we got a lot done with 21 guys with chainsaws. And they were really excited to work with us and vice versa. And they'll be coming back again this spring. So we're doing the fire mitigation. We'll also be working with some of our mycologist friends to plant even more uh, mushrooms that we don't. There, there's some you can use for fire mitigation. This is also... Wait, mushrooms help with fire mitigation? Oh, yeah, totally. Um, just That's like stronger mycelium networks. And this is actually, I mean, it's really unique. This is the wettest watershed in all of Colorado. It also is the best mushroom foraging anywhere in the country outside of the Pacific Northwest. And last year was a very wet summer and it was bonkers. We literally could not walk on the property or go on any hike without the entire forest flow, forest floor being covered by amanitas, beliefs, chanterelles, um, even matsutakes, which are usually only found in Oregon and in Japan. Um, We also are working with a local awesome kind of uh, hydro engineer uh, to make a a, a water hydro power station. Oh, like on property. On property. Um, so would you guys be able to go to green or renewable energy to power the retreat? Yeah, that wouldn't fully do it. I mean, we can get probably between like 13 and 15 kilowatts out of that, like seven months out of the year, but also working on solar powers and different things. We are on grid here, which is great, but we're working towards the grid being our backup 
and getting this towards as close as we can get to 100% renewable. Mm-hmm. Okay. Abby, you talked about your journey from, say, climate activist to wellness activist and, and, and that we've also talked a little bit about the physical impact of sort of climate on the surrounding area. Do you have any thoughts about where this is going in terms of, you know, you guys are doing fire mitigation and these different things, but do you think that the climate situation is overwhelming or do you think it's something that you guys can adapt to? I think it's something that we will adapt to. I think it's changing every single year, even when it comes to snowpack. And so I think one thing that will get really affected in this valley is the ski culture. So Aspen, most of the community that was originally traveling here was traveling for the skiing. And then the secret season, as they originally were calling it, was the summer and the fall. And so where we're located, all the seasons are spectacular but it will really change as the droughts get bigger and the rainstorms get stronger. But at the same time, we are really trying to be self-sufficient and walking towards having greenhouses around. And we're at very high elevation, so growing our food up here will not be easy, but it is something that we do have a plan for. So stand that um, event space that you went in this afternoon that can be changed over into a really large greenhouse. So that company... Um, You can change out the skin and put on a skin, which they often use in the cannabis industry for big greenhouses. And so we have been visioning of once we get our full four season event space, turning that into a large greenhouse as well. So I think it's inevitable that it is it is happening already, but we're in a space of really wanting to be adaptable as it's happening. Got it. Well, you guys, this has been a fascinating and wonderful conversation here in the mountains of the Rockies, finding flow states, executing on your visions, building something that other people can find and enjoy. I've really enjoyed my time here at Bayul, and I'm sure there will be more to talk about between Bayul Retreat and Hub Culture as um, time goes on, because these are like-minded communities, and it's great to see you guys building this outpost here in the mountains. Thank you, Abby. Thank you, Ruben, for joining us. For those of you listening, there are more episodes, conversations about everything from psychedelics to crypto to the state of the world on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, and of course, hubculture.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks again, Abby and Ruben, for joining us. And we're going to go check out the snowmobiling and the, the cross-country skiing and the rest of that beautiful nature that you guys have on your doorstep. Thanks so much. 